Good morning, Milton Bible Church. Uh, my name is Chris McLean, and I get to the privilege of sharing God's word with you this morning. We're in a series entitled Living in the Victory of the Cross. And my small part in the series today is to speak on because of the cross and the resurrection, we've received the grace of God. And this will very much be an introduction uh, to the grace of God, to, to really, you're always learning about the grace of God throughout the whole of our Christian lives. And we're going to read from Ephesians chapter 2 this morning, and you can be looking that up. Let's pray together. Father, I ask you this morning that you will help us to enjoy your word, and I pray that we would, uh, we would be in your word and, and understanding all that Jesus has done for us. Lord, help me to sh show your part in the work of salvation so that we're putting our trust in the right place. We're putting our trust in you. Refresh us today in your wonderful love, in your wonderful gospel that you have brought about for us. May we get rooted and grounded in your love today. In Jesus' name, amen. First of all, some context. In the first chapter of Ephesians, Paul has been conveying to the Christians in Ephesus and also to us now, some wonderful gospel truth. So much so that Paul has a real problem with stopping just for a moment to take a breath. It's like this one running sentence as he's speaking. It's, it's a bit like when your children meet you uh, at the front door, having had a great day at school, and maybe they got some award or something, and they can't wait to tell you. And so you're coming in the door, and they're telling you, and they're just going on at you about this amazing thing that happened. And you're like, let me take my coat off. Let me put my bag down. Paul is so excited about the truth that he has found. So, so what is this exciting news Paul has got to share with them that causes him to hardly put in a period or take a breath, but just, just go off? on this, not a rant, but an encouragement of what Christ has done for them. Well, in chapter 1, he wants to remind us about some truth about the gospel. It will help them to see just how much God really loves them and God really loves us. And as, as I've said, this truth sort of spills out of him. Like someone, you know, maybe a, a teenager reading an acceptance letter they've opened from their chosen university to their family over breakfast. In fact, it's an even greater acceptance than that because it speaks about all that Christ has done for us to be accepted by God. He says to us through faith that we've placed in Jesus, we have received right now every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So let me go through a, a few of the uh, uh, blessings that we've received. It says we've been made holy and blameless before God right now because of Jesus. We have been chosen and adopted as God's children. That's our relationship to God now. We've been brought back from slavery to sin and death by the blood of Jesus, which he shed for us on the cross, being our redeemer. That's what Jesus is. He shows us that when Jesus came and died and rose again, all of our sin and our wrongdoing was forever forgiven. No wonder we celebrate at Easter. He explains how God has lavished his love on us and we were chosen and predestined to receive this good news of salvation. And he goes on to say 
that we've obtained an inheritance and we have been sealed with the Holy Spirit, which is God's presence with us and it's a deposit guaranteeing our future relationship with God. And he communicates how settled this is. All the time as you're reading through chapter 1, it says, He chose us. In Him we have redemption. He lavished on us. In Him. And it says again, uh, we were included in Christ. We were included in Him. He is making much of Jesus in chapter 1. None of it is if you're good enough, none of it is if you come up to a standard or if you fulfilled this particular task. So I can see why he's not taking a pause. He's realizing that the grace of God shows us just how wonderful God's love is and how it includes us in being part of his people. It's not communicated in chapter 1 as a maybe, but a done deal. He has, through Christ, it's settled, it is done. Jesus said, it is finished. And the Father, in raising Jesus, it was like God's great amen. Yes, it really is finished. And now we have a way to have relationship with God. It's not if you're good enough or if you come up to a standard. No, it's ours having placed our faith in the Savior. He's done it. It's his work. The Savior has brought salvation. The Redeemer has redeemed us. The one who said he was the way has made a way. The resurrection and the life has raised us up and given us new life. And the light of the world has shone into our hearts to reveal the wonderful good news about Jesus. And so we are loved and fully approved of by God. No wonder, no wonder Paul goes off on this. No wonder he does this great big long sentence because he just wants to get it out there. What great news it is. And then in Ephesians chapter 2, God tells us that all these blessings we've received are absolutely free. It's all grace. Let's read it together. As for you, it starts. As for you, this is our part. If you were looking for your part, this is our part. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us, Let me say that again. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving the wrath of God. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you've been saved, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you've been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it's the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Paul is saying we don't get in on this amazing, amazing love by our effort or our work or some merit merit or our attendance or our giving 
or how well we pray. It tells us we were dead in our sin. We were deserving of God's wrath. That's God's holy, righteous anger towards sin. That we followed the course of this world. We followed the enemy. We gratified the sinful desires within us. We were dead in trespasses and sins. So Paul, having made clear what Jesus has accomplished, now comes to us and he doesn't leave us in any doubt that salvation that we enjoy every day is by grace alone, through Christ alone, and by faith alone. Chapter 2 starts with these words which leave us with no illusion of our part in salvation. You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live. This this makes it really easy for me to understand why the acronym for grace, G-R-A-C-E, is what? God's riches at Christ's expense. What what an amazing acronym that is for the word grace. It sort of explains it to us as we go through it. It says to us in verse 3, all of us, all of us, also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh. And it's following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were deserving of wrath. We were dead. That was our qualification when we came to God. We were dead. We were dead in our sin. And when you're dead, it takes an outside source to bring you back to life. You can't bring yourself back to life if you're dead. You need someone else to revive you and bring life to you. And Jesus brought life to us because he's the resurrection and the life. It's not like in church, there are a range of different sorts of dead people and alive people. It's not like Jordan and Rachel who are leading us in worship this morning. It's not like because they come from a Christian family, they are less dead than I was. And I don't come from any Christian background. Then I'm not more dead and they're not less dead. Listen, there are not degrees of deadness. Like some were really dead, and some were more dead, and some were sort of dead. Now listen, if I die preaching here today, and I fall down on the floor, and the doctor comes, and the question is asked, is he dead? If he says, yes, he's dead, you can bury me. But if he says, well, he's sort of dead, listen, don't bury me. Don't bury me, I'm alive. Or if he he seems a bit dead. If the doctor says he seems a bit dead, listen, I'm alive. You're either dead or you're alive. And we were all dead in our trespasses and sins. We were spiritually dead. We were spiritually in the dark. And God's word tells us that God in his love, Ephesians 2 verse 5, made us all alive through Christ when we were all dead in our sin. Which means every one of us have a story of Christ's work bringing us to life, whoever we are. I was at an evangelistic meeting, and uh, you know, normally you go to an evangelistic meeting and there's some amazing testimony. Well, this young guy got up to speak. He's a friend of my, uh, he's a brother actually of my friend Dave Mansfield. And uh, he got up and he said, I was growing up in a Christian family, and my mum loved my dad, and my dad loved my mum, and my sister loved me. And my brother loved my sister. And, and he said, in our house, it was like the Waltons. It was the perfect household. But he said, and there came a point where I saw they had something I didn't have. I was completely blind to it. 
And seeing it, I called out to God and I said, make me alive like they are. And as I listened to that testimony that night, it was so good for me. And it's also good for Christians to realize, especially being brought up in the church, that actually all of us were dead in sin. There are not degrees of deadness. We tend to listen to testimonies and give them degrees of deadness. We, you know, if someone says, well, I was, on, I was into sex and drugs, drugs and rock and roll, I was a bank robber, or I was a car thief, or I was a burglar, and then Jesus came into we tend to think, well, they were more dead than we are. And then we, we think of some other people who are less dead people, nice people, brought up in a Christian home, went to church with their family every week. But you know, even the smallest part of sin in our lives, God could not look at. Even the smallest part of sin in our lives took Jesus to the cross to pay for it. So when Jesus was on the cross and he turned his face away from his son, when Father turned his face away from Jesus, it was because he couldn't look on our sin. But now, because Jesus went to the cross, the Father can look at us. And we've come alive through Jesus Christ. Jesus, it says, bore our sin in his body on the tree. And it was for freedom that Christ has set us free. We were all dead. And then in verse 4, we encounter the grace of God. We read these words. Having realized that we are dead, every one of us, all of us, it says there very clearly. It says these words, but God, but God. You know what? I love those words. We could spend the whole morning on just those two words. But God, the whole of salvation, the whole of the gospel, the whole of the joy in our lives through Jesus depends on those words. But God, what does it say? But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For it's by grace you've been saved through faith and this is not of your own doing. In case we've got any illusions about this. And this is not of your own doing. It's the gift of God. Listen, the grace of God this morning gives us one amazing point to rejoicing today, uh, the Sunday after Easter, having rejoiced last week at the resurrection of Jesus. God loved us first. God loved us first. It was because of his great love. It was God's initiative that Jesus was sent. It was God acting. It was God sending. It was God saving. It was God redeeming. It was him raising us up with Christ. And out of that comes a real freedom to us because, because when Jesus died on the cross, our old life died, our sin died with him on the cross. And when God raised Jesus from the dead, we were raised to life. That's why we get baptized. It symbolizes we've died to the old and we've been raised with Christ to the new. God was in Christ, what? Reconciling the world to himself. God was doing it, not us. In his grace, in his love, he reached out to us. By grace you are saved, not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. 
Easter Sunday was all God's work. And Paul's letter to the Colossians tells us he has rescued us and qualified us. What qualifies us to come and lift up our hands and worship God and just give thanks to him for all that he's doing in our lives, all that he's done in our lives? He has qualified us. Jesus has qualified us. You know, you may be facing exams at this particular time and uh, probably doing them online due to the pandemic. But there is, there is another qualification that has been won for you. You don't have to do any exams for that one. Jesus qualified us to have a relationship with our Father in heaven. By grace, we are saved. That is very good news. These chapters, as we read them, like chapter one has a, a we were sort of feel. And this one, you know, has, it, it, it gives us just an, an understanding that actually by grace, God has loved us and chosen us and made us his. And so Paul wants us to encounter and to know and to enjoy the grace of God, God's amazing, amazing love for us. He wants us to have our eyes enlightened and to know his love better and better and better. By chapter 3 in a prayer, chapter 3 of Ephesians that we've been looking at, we get to see his desire that we get rooted and grounded in God's love for us. This amazing love. For this reason, it says, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love, you may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that we may be filled to all the fullness of God. God wants us to know this love, to walk in this love, to be sure about this love, that we've been made right with God through grace and through faith in Jesus Christ. You know, you know when you know something, but then you really get looking into it, you really know it. Listen, God wants us to know it deep down within us. He wants us to be sure of it. He wants to know, us to know that we know it so that we live in the good of it. How much, how much do, you, do you realize that God loves you? How much, how much do you know that deep down? Are you rooted and grounded in that love? So all of this is because Jesus earned it for us, accomplished this for us, paid for us to have this wonderful relationship with God. Our debt has been fully paid, and we have new life in Jesus. By grace we are saved. I think I said this the last time I spoke here, but I want to say it again. The reason the gospel is such good news is it's not news about us. The reason the gospel is good news is that it's news about Jesus. It's news about the finished work of Jesus. And God wants us to know his love is towards us and to grasp his grace-filled love towards us. We are a love people. He wants us to be rooted and grounded in this grace-filled love that God has for us. Why? So that we can grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is God's love towards us. You know, I don't think we're ever going to get to the end of realizing quite how much God loves us. It actually says here, it surpasses knowledge in our passage. 
So our gospel is not the gospel of justice, where we get what we deserve. Far from it. And, and to be honest with you, nor is it the gospel of mercy, which means we don't get what we deserve. No, for us, the gospel that saved us is the gospel of grace, where we get what we don't deserve. The love and grace of God is ours. And relationship and being part of his people and having his presence and power at work in us. It's all by grace we are saved. You know, when my kids were younger, much younger actually, I remember it was, uh, it was Amy's sixth birthday. And my son Joel was seven at the time. And uh, we had this tradition in our house, and that it's this. If, you, if it's your birthday, you can choose any main course and any dessert. You can choose them, and Rachel will make them for you. And so being that she was quite young, she chose chicken nuggets and fries and sweet corn. And for, uh, for this dessert, for the dessert, she wanted a Knickerbocker Glory. Now, you may not know what that is. A picture's going to come up to show you exactly what it is, but she asked for a Knickerbocker Glory. It's a very tall Sunday where you probably couldn't even find a spoon to get down to the bottom of it. And uh, that was her choice. We were very glad of her choice. It looked great to me. And then what happened is the other tradition in our house is this. If you don't finish your main course, you cannot have your dessert. It's, like a, it's, it's a written rule in our house. Everybody knows it. Well, we were sitting there and it's a birthday dinner and she was pushing the food around on her plate. And I'm saying, come on, Amy, look, we've got Knickerbocker glories. It's going to be great. We're going to eat them together. And, you know, we're going to have some cake as well. Come on. So finish, finish up. And she kept pushing it around, around the plate. And then suddenly, my son, Joel, who was just seven at the time, he reached across the table and he took hold of her plate and he took hold of the Knickerbocker glory and he switched them over. And he said, there you are, Amy. That is grace, getting what you don't deserve. And at that moment, it was like all of my authority left the house. I didn't even know what to do. I sat there quite stunned. And then I was like, wow. Joel has understood grace at the age of seven. Because to be honest with you, getting a knickerbocker glory before you have finished your main meal in our house is grace. It's getting what you don't deserve. And for us in Christ, this wonderful relationship that we have with God day after day, walking in the joy of our salvation. It is, it's like getting a knickerbocker glory when you have not finished your main meal. It's getting what we don't deserve. It's a gospel of grace. It's a gift. You know, when we look at it and we read God's word, it's, 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 it seems too good to be true. It does seem too good to be true, but it is true. Because Christ has won it for us in the victory of the cross. It's ours. And the trouble is we don't really feel comfortable with this sort of love because it's love that isn't fair to us. Love that we haven't earned or deserved. We're, we're always a bit suspicious. It's, like, oh, it's a gift. We're always a bit suspicious of gifts. When someone says to you, like, you know, we'd like to give you a gift, you think, well, what, what, what do you want from me afterwards? What's going to happen? If something comes through the post and it says it's a free gift, well, what's the catch? We're thinking, oh, is it about we're going to have to keep some rules and regulations? Are we going to have to do this? No, actually, you know, it's not, we don't, we're not, it's not as if we're going to have to pay God back for this. We couldn't pay God back. 
When we received it, we received it as a gift. And we were dead in our trespasses and sins. There was nothing in us that endeared us to God. There was nothing in us that could earn his favour. But God in his love, in his grace, saved us when we were dead in our trespasses and sins. You see, that's what the love of God is like. God's word says to us in Psalm 105, he doesn't treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. I love that bit in that scripture where it says, as far as the east is from the west. If you go east, you keep going east. And if you go west, you keep going west. Whereas if you were to put north to south, if you go north, eventually you go south. You know, I love the way God's word explains exactly what's happened. Our sin has been removed from us as far as the east is from the west. And God wants us to be rooted in his amazing love that he'd shown to us in Christ. And it's not based on performance, we know, because we were dead. We had nothing, there was no way we could perform. It's rooted in God's love. The gospel starts with God. The gospel starts with God. For God so loved the world that he did something. It's God's gospel. And we were dead in transgressions and sin and there was nothing in us that deserved it. It's the lavish love of God, it tells us in Ephesians 1.8, that he lavished on us in Christ. It says, it's not by works or we might boast. Yes, we would. If we felt we'd earned it anyway. Ephesians 2.9 tells us, it's not by works. This sort of love is alien to us because salvation is a gift. I have a friend of mine called Tim and we go out together and we have a curry together. And I always say to Tim, every time we go, listen, yeah, you can get this one. I'll get the next one. Because that's the sort of way we, we, when someone shows love to us, that we want to give back love. But Tim has always said to me, that is a debtor's ethic. He always said, no, 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 you're not going to pay me back. This is a gift I'm giving to you. And so whenever we go out, even if I try and pay and get my, he's already paid. But the waiter says, no, he's already paid in advance. And Tim has always wanted to show me through that that the love of God keeps on going and going and going. And so he never lets me pay for anything. Every time I go out, let me get this one. No, it's it's paid for. Don't worry about it. It's done. It's my joy. It's my gift to you. Our sort of love says, oh, I'll get it next time. God's sort of love says, I've already paid. I've already paid it all in Christ. We cannot add to our salvation by our works. That's why God doesn't want us to try If if we try to add to our salvation and all that Jesus has accomplished on the cross, it's really detracting from the cross. For Jesus paid it all. Paul makes it very clear. We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Ephesians 2 verse 10. So our good works that we do as Christians now, They are the fruit of our salvation. They are not the root of our salvation. Our good works that we do now are the result of our salvation, not the reason for our salvation. We are God's workmanship, it says, created for good works. 
But we are God's workmanship first. And so we need to live in the grace of God. We need to, to let the work of Christ have its effect in our lives. And by grace we are saved. And therefore we can rejoice that Jesus has paid it all. And the victory of the cross lets us in to this relationship and this fellowship with our Father who is our God. Our salvation is rooted in the finished work of Jesus. By grace we are saved. As it say in God's word, it says, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Once again, it's a work of God. It's not a work of Chris. It's a work of Christ. God was not counting men's sins against them. We are fully accepted in Christ now. So we kind of add, add to the work of Jesus. We are already fully forgiven and loved and chosen and blameless and holy. And it's all through Christ. So how do we live in response to this amazing grace? Well, we live out of our identity. We are now dearly loved children of God. So I live in a new way as a child of God. I have a new mindset. Because new identity brings new behavior. And so in Colossians chapter 3, it says, Therefore... As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, that's us, clothe yourself with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. And if any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And what we see here is Paul is talking about taking off clothes and putting on new clothes, if you read the whole of that in Colossians. And it's, it starts with our identity. It says, as God's chosen, holy, holy, dearly loved people, clothe yourself with these things. In other words, put on clothes that match your new identity. If we are now followers of Christ, put on Christ-like qualities like it has down here. We're not trying to earn God's favor. What we're doing is recognizing God, having given us his favor, having made them chosen us, having made us holy, having called us dearly loved, that we need to clothe ourselves. You know, I know this surprise you, but I am in my 60s. I know I don't look it, okay, don't judge I know we don't look it, but I'm in my 60s. And during the pandemic, um, as clothes have arrived, because obviously you can go to shops, so they were sent through the post. Whenever I put clothes on in my house that I'd brought, my kids immediately would look at them and judge me in them. And they would look and, you know, really what they're asking is this question, should a man in his 60s be wearing those clothes? And, uh, I mean, I th thought I was doing pretty well. But they said, oh, look, Dad's bought some vans. Oh, look, Dad's bought a heel figure sweatshirt. Oh, look, look, look at these. And, and particularly if it had a, a name label on it, they were immediately looking at me. You know, should a man like you really be wearing those sorts of clothes? Um, well, I actually think I look really good in them. My wife does as well, which is probably why she bought them for me. But... You see, the, the thing that they don't realize is this now. Whenever I go shopping, I'm shopping for a 60-year-old man because that's my identity. 
I'm not in my 20s anymore. I don't go into some of the shops that sell those sorts of stuff. I go into shops that actually, for me, are uh, going to supply the clothes that a 60-year-old man should be wearing. Because I'm living out of my identity. And as Christians, what we do is we put on Christ-like qualities, having been loved, having been chosen, having been made right with God, we put on love, we put on forgiveness, and we, we walk around in now Christ-like clothes, clothes that commend Jesus, clothes that, that, that make Jesus all the more glorious because he has changed us and made us new. And we are clothed in Christ and we are clothed in holiness that is ours through Christ. And we are clothed in acceptance. We have a new identity. We are the loved children of God. Have you grasped the grace and the love of God for you? That Jesus paid it all. And the Father sent his Son. Have you grasped that? By grace we are saved. Are you striving in your Christian life to try and earn God's favor? Or are you recognizing that you're already a people chosen and holy and blameless? And have you begun to put on Christ-like clothes? So everywhere you go, you bring the fragrance of Jesus. You bring a difference because Jesus has made you new. See, our works are following God making us into his people. They are the fruit and not the root of God's work in us. Let's live with our eyes on the grace of God. Let's live with our hearts thrilled with the grace of God. Let's let our lives proclaim our God is a wonderful saviour and walk in the joy and the power of all that was accomplished through the cross of Jesus and through the resurrection in Jesus' name.